Welcome to the November 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you to scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keeps you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy briefs, arable, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition, we're also bringing you two sector overviews on land prices and croft diversification. We'll also be bringing you news on soil health, digital dairy chain, and the farm management handbook. Hello, my name is Anna Sellers, and I am the editor of this month's edition. First up, we have this month's news. While farmers across Scotland have been tackling extreme weather and a challenging end to the year's harvest, June agricultural census data has been processed and 2023 headlines released. Most notably, there has been a 3% reduction in cattle numbers and a 2% reduction in sheep numbers in Scotland from 2022. For cattle, this reflects a long-standing trend in herd contraction, as well as a greater reduction this year due to high call numbers driven by strong prices. However, increased herd efficiencies would normally expect to buffer a herd reduction to some extent, suggesting the national herd may be contracting more significantly than before. For sheep, concerns about reductions may be eased with persisting strong prices and indications of an increase in lamb consumption, particularly in export markets. The article on sheep later in the programme goes into this in more detail. For further information on the June agricultural census results, please visit the Scottish Government website. We have added a link to the results in the show notes. In policy news, Scottish Government have two open consultations closing on the 24th of November, which we would encourage all rural stakeholders to participate in where relevant. These are the Rural Affairs and Islands Committee has launched its consultation on the Agriculture and Rural Communities Bill, and the Finance and Public Administration Committee has launched its call for views on the Agriculture and Rural Committees Bill Financial Memorandum. Links for these two consultations can be found in the show notes. Lastly, the Rural Affairs Secretary has announced that envelopes for Tier 1 and Tier 2 direct payments will be released at the NFUS AGM in February 2024. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. Following the devastating damage caused by Storm Babbitt, Scottish farming and crofting families seriously affected by this extreme weather event can apply to the RSABI Flooding Fund for a grant of up to £1,000 per family. Further details are available online at the RSABI website or by phoning the helpline on 080-1234-555. You can find the link to apply for the fund in the show notes. RSABI are also working with ForageAid, who help UK farmers and crofters to prevent livestock suffering where feed, forage and or bedding supplies have been affected by extreme weather events. For further information on the ForageAid help available, please email forageaid at rsabi.org.uk. You can find these details in the show notes. As a replacement for the Common Agricultural Policy, the new Agriculture and Rural Communities Scotland Bill aims to deliver the key ambitions set out in the Scottish Government's vision for agriculture. The legislation has been designed to provide an adaptive support framework to help farmers and crofters produce food more sustainably, to support their role in delivering climate change mitigation and adaptation, and to facilitate biodiversity restoration. 
As part of the Scottish Government's vision for Scotland becoming a global leader in sustainable and regenerative agriculture, the payment framework will incentivise a drive towards low-carbon approaches aimed at improving the resilience, efficiency and profitability of the sector. The Scottish Government has been appraising a list of agricultural reform measures that will best address climate mitigation, adaptation and nature restoration. Further details of the aspects being considered as part of the reform measures can be found on the Rural Payments website. You can find this information in the show notes. As part of the planned programme of reforms to help shape future support and how it's delivered, the next phase of public participation is open to all who wish to participate in surveys, interviews, online and in-person workshops. Volunteers will be reimbursed with the amount varying by activity dependent on time involved. To register interest, please use the link in the show notes. Businesses and groups who wish to promote regional food products and establish new markets can bid for up to £5,000 of support funding through the Scottish Government's Regional Food Fund. The fund aims to stimulate collaborative projects that drive the sales and promotion of regional foods. Eligible applicants include individual businesses in the food and drink sector, including primary producers on behalf of a collaborative group or project, regional and community groups, both rural and urban, and regional food groups. Further information, guidance and the application form are available online at the Scotland Food and Drink website, or you can find them in the show notes. The closing date for the application is on Friday the 24th of November at 5pm. A new Rural and Islands Housing Action Plan will support the Scottish Government's commitment to deliver 110,000 affordable homes by 2032, of which 11,000 will be in rural and island areas. As part of the long-term housing strategy, Housing to 2040 Rural and Islands Housing Action Plan, the Scottish Government aims to commission research into affordable home ownership in rural and island areas and to work with local authorities and registered social landlords to deliver the demand-led Rural Affordable Homes for Key Workers Fund with up to £25 million available up to 2028. A couple of dates to note. Firstly, on the 30th of November, the Scottish Upland Sheep Support Scheme application window closes. Make sure you get your application in before the 30th of November. And on the 1st of December, Elfas and the Young Farmers top-up payments start. Moving on to arable. Recently, traders in the agricultural commodity markets have been looking to supportive fundamentals. These have included weather conditions in South America, increased demand for US exports, surging crush and ethanol demand, growing Chinese interest, a potential resurgence of wheat imports in India, and reduced Russian exports, which could boost export demand in Europe. Additionally, there were macroeconomic factors such as declining EU and UK currencies and the possibility of rising crude oil prices due to Middle East tensions. The US markets were particularly active, with wheat, maize and soybean all testing resistance levels. However, all of these attempts failed, and the markets then began testing recent support levels to the downside. Similarly, in Europe, the Liffey Wheat May 24 contract couldn't sustain itself above £200 per tonne, 
and the Matef Wheat December 23 contract struggled to break the long-term €240 per tonne resistance. All of this meant the markets experienced a recurring pattern of rebounding briefly, only to face subsequent price drops again. The abundance of cheap Russian wheat supplies, Russia has about one-third of the world's supply of wheat, continues to exert downward pressure on markets. By way of example, Russian Black Sea wheat has been trading at a 15% discount to EU wheat available out of Black Sea ports. This reduced export demand for European origin wheat, therefore, coupled with a lack of tenders from major importers, continues to weigh on prices. UK wheat into Spain and Ireland is facing fierce competition from Germany and Denmark. European markets are also following the global trend, facing a 7 euro decrease week on week in the most active contracts. Furthermore, recent rainfall in Australia and Argentina is easing concerns in these countries, which are expected to contribute significantly to global wheat exports in the 23-24 marketing year. AHDB market data is not, surprisingly, illustrating a bearish longer-term outlook for grains, in part attributed to the global oversupply situation, especially in maize markets with a near-record US maize crop now entering the market, and South America expected to fill the seasonal gap from early 2024. At the time of writing, November 24 London feed wheat futures are priced at £203.20 per tonne. The geopolitical tensions in the Black Sea appear to have eased, contributing to the bearish sentiment. However, any escalation in these tensions could potentially add a risk premium to wheat prices. The Middle East situation, while not directly related to grain fundamentals, has implications for energy markets. Brent crude oil futures, for example, only recently increasing 2% because of conflict concerns. In the UK, feed barley has seen demand rise considering its competitiveness versus wheat and maize in feed rations. Malting barley markets remain quiet, and the large carryover of stocks seen into this year is unlikely to be repeated in 2024, given the low yields seen across much of Europe, with Storm Babbitt more than likely to push more area into spring cropping and inevitably more spring barley planted. A reduced or negligible carryover can only be price supportive for 2024's harvest. Beef price rallies. Finished beef prices in Scotland have rebounded significantly in recent weeks, with increased demand as processors are now entering the Christmas buying period. The pressure is on to find enough prime cattle. Availability remains a concern as numbers of finished cattle available are less. Many finishers sold cattle when the price was dropping, so these cattle are no longer there. Prices are now back closer to the peaks seen in May. Deadweight R4L steers are bordering on £5 per kilogram, with prices quoted for the week ending 21st of October at 499 pence per kilogram, around 15 pence per kilogram higher than south of the border. Liveweight cattle prices in Scotland remain strong, around 20 pence per kilogram above last year's levels, with a number of markets reporting increased throughputs as finishers return to the live ring. 
At a global level, beef prices are coming under pressure from rising production in Australia and Brazil. Weaker than expected consumer demand in China has led to a build-up, reducing wholesale prices. With the main Christmas killing period from early November to early December, a rise in price was expected. It's anticipated that prime beef prices will remain firm into early December as they look to build stocks for the festive period. Post-Christmas, it's likely that numbers of prime cattle required are less, as cows come back into favour to meet the demand for manufacturing beef after the Christmas spend has put pressure on consumers' budgets. Cow prices have returned to more normal levels relative to prime cattle prices, as most processors look to reduce cull cow throughput as they shift towards prime beef, which is affecting demand for cull cows. Cull cow price has dipped back this month, with prices currently around 35 to 40 pence per kilogram, less than the same week in 2022. With prices dropping, there is little incentive to cull cows, and it's unlikely that prices will rise until mid-December. Store cattle are meeting a strong demand driven by a rise in finished beef prices. Well-fleshed continental types continue to meet a buoyant trade, with overwintering stores less sought after. Store cattle sales have been boosted in numbers in October as suckled calves come onto the market. Suckled calf producers are seeing stronger prices for their calves compared to last year, with foraging good supply, feed prices back, and the beef price 40 to 50 pence per kilogram up on the year, adding 160 pounds to a 360 kilogram calf. The annual Springborn Calf Show and Sale at Thamestown in Aberdeenshire saw suckled calves average 328 pence per kilogram. Enthusiasm in the beef trade again is impacting breeding sales, with many markets reporting a lift in averages as good quality breeding cattle are in demand. However, stock not reaching the quality demanded by farmers is more difficult to sell. The autumn bull sales have seen strong prices paid for the best commercial bulls. Despite AHDB reporting for the first half of the year a 4% decline in Charolais calf registrations, the Charolais breed achieved an average of £8,253 for 65 bulls sold. Moving on to sheep. The European Commission have recently published their short-term outlook for 2023 to 2024. In this, it details how the European sheep flock is declining by an estimated 1.8% in 2023 and a forecasted further decline of 1% in 2024 due to various factors including high input costs, a low supply and stock of forage following the long dry hot summer and losses through outbreaks of disease like sheep pox and blue tongue. In the outlook, they cover all aspects of agriculture, showing the predicted trends in the short-term period. It allows a good comparison between proteins, and they show per capita consumption for each type of meat. It shows that many meats are likely to endure decreases in consumption due to the increased cost of living and inflation. However, Lamb being the most expensive meat will feel little negative impact due to being favoured as the meat of choice for cultural reasons and religious festivals. 
Year-on-year, differences in per capita consumption of the various protein meat sources in the EU are forecast as follows. Lamb is up by 0.8%. Beef has fallen by 3.5%. Pork is down by 5%. And chicken has increased by 4.3%. Chicken is estimated to increase in consumption due to it being one of the cheapest forms of animal protein, as well as an increased supply of poultry due to a lower amount of avian influenza affecting flocks. The EU remains committed to importing UK sheep meat due to our competitive price and location, which makes the EU outlooks a great tool and good news for Scotland. The UK lamb price has remained higher than the past two years since August this year. Typically, we see this price continue to increase until the end of the year from now. However, to remain attractive to our European customers, our price must stay competitive, especially when our supply of finished lambs going to slaughter is increasing over the coming months. While our prime lamb trend is showing higher than previous years, our cull trade is following a very similar pattern to that of 21 and 22 with poorer hill ewes making a current impact on average prices at market. Well-fleshed ewes are very much sought after and making a premium. Supply will run short of these culls as winter progresses, and we'll see the market sharpen in coming months, especially for the better quality fleshy types. Now on to a sector focus on land values. The patterns in the market for farmland from 2021 carried into 2022 as new buyer types contributed to a demand which continues to outpace supply. Again for 2023, farmers are still the main buyers in farmland, but the gap is being closed by new players which have entered the market in the past few years. Commercial forestry remains the chief driver of increasing land values, especially in areas with primarily non-arable agricultural land. Corporate, institutional and ESG buyers are a driving force in the purchase of estates and upland holdings, especially in PT areas. And private investors and lifestyle buyers continue to play a role. Several of these buyer types are crowding into the market due to the new asset class of natural capital. Urgent action is necessary to mitigate climate change and to protect and restore Scotland's natural environment. However, the Scottish Land Commission and other voices are adamant that private investment in Scotland's potential for carbon sequestration and biodiversity enhancement must not detract from land reform goals or the principles of a just transition to a net zero economy. The wider economic conditions of 2023 are also a factor in the increased demand. Low interest rates and high inflation make land an attractive investment because it's historically provided a good hedge against inflation. Those investing for this reason have less immediate interest in carbon projects or other land use change, instead simply holding land as a financial asset. The current situation has been described as a seller's market due to the strong demand for all farm types. In response to this, 41,600 acres of farmland were marketed in Scotland in 2022, a 48% increase from 2021 and 30% higher than the five-year average, 
marking a major shift from the constrained market of previous years. This figure does not account for off-market sales. These closed transactions played a lesser role in 2022 compared to 2021, but continue to make up a significant proportion of sales of smaller parcels of land. Nearly every farm, 89%, which was put on the market in 2022, had found a buyer by the end of the year. Beyond the high prices currently being achieved for farmland, the uncertainty surrounding agricultural policy and the possibility of a change of government in 2024 have been cited as reasons that farmers are considering early retirement and exiting agriculture. This increase in supply still doesn't meet the market's demand, driving up prices for land across Scotland. Prices peaked at over £8,000 per acre for land suitable for forestry in early 2022, before falling back off later in the year. Prime arable land on the east coast fetched prices from between £4,500 per acre in the Highlands to £16,000 in the Lothians. Although other farming businesses are the most common purchasers of Scottish farms going up for sale, these buyers are most often large farms who are looking to expand their business or redirect profits from development land. In light of this, the current prevailing market trends seem to reinforce and perpetuate the pattern of concentrated land ownership in Scotland. The prices and speed of many transactions have limited participation to a small number of well-resourced interests, drawing criticism from the Scottish Land Commission and others who maintain that there needs to be policy intervention to safeguard opportunities for communities, family farms, local businesses and new entrants to farming. The new entrant pages of the FAS website provide resources for those looking to start in the agricultural sector. Those interested in purchasing land are advised to monitor local newspapers, social media, land agent pages and agricultural forums or groups. Alternative options to explore include seasonal lets, tenancies, joint ventures, contract farming, share farming and business equity partnerships. Milk volumes are declining, dairy markets are more positive, but farm gate prices are slow to respond. Milk volumes are well below last year's levels at this time. Dairy commodity prices continue to increase both domestically and in the GDT auction. The latest milk production data from AHDB shows that GB milk output for September was 962 million litres, 3.4% less than the previous month, and 1.4% below September 2022. Daily deliveries were 32.4 million litres, the of the week ending 21st of October. 0.2% above the previous week, but 3% less than the same week in 2022. UK production for September was 1,136 million litres, 4.5% less than August. First Milk and Muller have reduced their November milk price by 0.85 pence per litre and 0.5 pence per litre respectively, with others likely holding but not announced at the time of writing. The DEFRA average UK milk price for September 2023 was 36.36 pence per litre, 
up 0.16 pence per litre from August, but 26% lower than September 2022. Please note that the following prices are in pence per litre. First Milk Manufacturing, 36.0 Muller, Muller Direct Scotland, 36.25 Graham's, 36.0 Arla Farmers Manufacturing, 35.21 Lactalis Fresh Milk Co., 35.50 U-Tree Dairy, 36.0 all dairy commodity products traded between the 25th of September and 22nd of October showed a positive price uplift from the previous month. While mild cheddar was only up 1%, butter, cream and SMP were up by 10%, 9% and 19% respectively. These increases are attributed to reducing milk supply in the EU, helping bolster demand for cream exports. The increase in SMP has been driven by positive movements in the two most recent GDT auctions and more product being exported to the Middle East and Southeast Asia. As a result, AMPE has increased by 5.71 pence per litre for October, with MCVE only up 1.19 pence per litre on the back of the marginal increase in mild cheddar price. MMV, or the milk market value, as reported by AHDB Dairy, indicates the average market value of one litre of milk based on how it's typically utilised in the UK. Changes in MMV are usually closely correlated with movements in the farm gate milk price in three months' time. MMV for October was 34.57 pence per litre, up from 32.48 pence per litre last month and this was the first significant positive movement in MMV in over a year. The two GDT auctions held in October, on the 3rd and 17th, both saw increases in the average price of all products sold. The latest average was $3,202 per tonne, up 4.3% from the previous auction. And this is the fourth price rise in a row, sparking more optimism in the dairy markets. Currently, milk production in the main exporting regions, the EU, USA and New Zealand, is declining. And for the last six months of 2023, output is forecasted to be fairly static, down 0.2% to 0% growth. Peak production in New Zealand has suffered from El Nino's dry weather effects impacting grass growth. The recent positive GDT auctions and EU commodity markets should hopefully mean the last of milk price cuts for now. However, since commodities are still only at a price comparable to the current Farmgate milk price, they'll need to move significantly higher before processors are likely to increase the price paid to the farmers. There are proposals to increase AHDB levy rates for the 2024-25 financial year. The dairy levy was last set over 20 years ago and looks set to rise by 33% from 0.06 pence per litre to 0.08 pence per litre. Final recommendations will be put to AHDB's board by sector councils before the proposals are put forward to government and devolved administrations before the end of the year.
The increase will go towards improving delivery of services, including marketing and identifying new export opportunities, continuing their independent research and strategic farm networks. Moving on to the sector focus on croft diversification. Diversification is a great way to add value to your existing physical and personal assets, add a new income stream to your farming business, and can be both financially and personally rewarding for you and your family. It can involve adapting and changing your current business to meet new trends, markets and customer demands, which utilise and add value to your existing physical assets such as natural assets, views, biodiversity, land, building, machines, and so on. It can also add value to your own personal knowledge, skills, interests, culture, and heritage. Crucially, diversification should be unique to you, your farm, your croft, your family, and lifestyle. There's now a notable income gap between farms with diversified activities and those without. Latest data from the Scottish Farm Business Survey outlines that farms with diversified activities on average generated £24,200 more income than those without. And 58% of businesses surveyed, out of a sample size of 350, now have at least one diversified activity. While diversification for many is driven by necessity to support farm business income, It's important that farmers and crofters choose enterprises which they themselves are truly passionate and engaged in, rather than looking over the hedge and following others' diversification paths. Agritourism continues to go from strength to strength in Scotland, with a growing network of farmers and crofters showcasing the very best in food, farming and environmental sustainability to domestic and international visitors. Inviting the public onto your farmer croft isn't for everyone and of course requires a specific skill set and a willingness to open your farm gates and privacy to consumers. But those who do enjoy engaging with visitors can generate healthy financial returns. Standalone farm tours can generate around £15-£30 per person per hour with more bespoke hands-on activities and demonstrations like lambing experiences, alpaca walking interactive sheepdog or sheep shearing demonstrations generating around 35 to 50 pounds per person per one to two hour session. These may also include refreshments and home baking. Luxury food and drink based experiences using homegrown or reared produce can generate around 400 to 600 pounds per small group of six to eight people, with private chef options and large group bookings commanding a premium. The author of this article, Callum Johnston, recently returned from a work trip to Shetland, where he experienced firsthand the creativity of crofters and smallholders who celebrate their crofting roots, culture and heritage, sharing them with domestic and international visitors. Bespoke workshops and events are a powerful way to showcase traditional crofting practices, culture, heritage and the community spirit which underpins life in rural areas. Visitors to Shetland can take part in a variety of workshops, including carpentry, spoon and shawl pin whittling, photography, art and knitting using pure Shetland wool. Local croft tours can be combined with guided tours of Iron Age brochs, Viking longhouses, early Christian chapel sites 
and 20th century military remains, among other trips to sites of natural and historical interest. Showcasing local, seasonal food and drink is also a big part of the developing culture on Shetland, where businesses work collaboratively for mutual benefit. Shetland has a strong agricultural supply chain, where pure Shetland lamb and mutton is reared, slaughtered, processed and delivered to local hotels and restaurants. Through collaboration and supply chain efficiencies, crofters can add value to their livestock, provide employment within the local abattoir and supply local hospitality outlets, which ultimately fulfills growing customer demand for an authentic product and story with strong provenance. The key learning from Shetland is that crofters and smallholders have identified their own unique selling point, creating sustainable income which aligns their personal interests and skill sets with crofting roots, culture and heritage, which is unique to them, their family, their lifestyle and their individual crofting enterprises. On the mainland, other great examples of farmers adding value to their assets and creating alternative diversified income streams include photography workshops, floristry workshops, wreath-making, soap-making, foraging, basket-weaving, beekeeping, small-holding courses, children's education and farm-to-fork activities, to name a few. If you're looking at diversification, these are the things you should think about. What interests you or your family specifically? What are you truly passionate about? What assets, physical and or personal, could you add value to on your farm or croft? What makes you, your farm, your location, views, produce, culture, heritage, unique from others? Does someone in your family or business have unique skills or interests they could pursue into a new business opportunity? Remember, diversification can be seasonal. Do you have times in your agricultural calendar which could support an additional enterprise, for example, around Christmas? And consider how you want your diversification to fit with your lifestyle. Make sure you have a vision, not just a business plan. Moving on to soil health. In the past, soil has been seen as a medium for growing crops, including grassland swards. The main focus has been on the nutrients that are available from the soil to support the yield and quality of the growing crops. Efforts were mainly focused on the addition of these nutrients to ensure sufficient were available for growth and usually added an excess to ensure a plentiful supply. Thinking has changed in the last 15 to 20 years and a more rounded view of the soil has emerged. This has encompassed the soil health of the soil, which has been defined by the Intergovernmental Technical Panel on Soils, the ITPS, in 2020, as the ability of the soil to sustain the productivity, diversity and environmental services of terrestrial ecosystems. The concept of soil health covers three main areas within the soil. Chemistry, which is still very important, physics, the structure of the soil, and biology, the soil as a living medium. Some of these areas have become incorporated into governmental strategies and policies for soil across the UK. This is true in Scotland, where the main report is still the Scottish Soil Framework, which lists the pressures on soil. 
It indicates that although there are a number of policies in place for the protection of aspects of some soils, there is not one policy for the overall protection of the soil. The EU is conscious of the deterioration of European soils, with an acknowledgement that an estimated 60-70% to of soils in the EU are not healthy. Additionally, it understands that soils are still subject to further decline as a result of erosion, compaction, organic matter decline, pollution, loss of biodiversity, salinization, and sealing. As soils do not receive the same protection in the EU as air and water, this year on the 5th of July, the EU proposed a new law to attempt to ensure all EU soils are in a healthy condition by 2050. This would require monitoring of soil health so appropriate action can be taken to maintain soil fertility and yield, with sustainable soil management becoming the norm. It's significant that soil health is now being considered and the impact of poor soil health receiving more focus, along with attempts for its maintenance and enhancement. However, we need to consider how healthy is a soil. We need a way of measuring and then monitoring soil health that's not too costly or time-consuming, but still provides useful results for management. SRUC researchers, in partnership with AHDB and through consultation with experts and industry, are exploring robust methods for monitoring soil health. A set of soil indicators needed to be developed that had broad agreement and were suitable for a range of agricultural practices. The final suggested indicators comprised of soil pH, extractable phosphorus, extractable potassium, extractable magnesium, soil organic matter, soil structure, using the visual evaluation of soil structure, also known as VES, and earthworm numbers. The results of these assessments were considered in relation to bands that had been agreed through previous research, publications and expert opinion to be placed in traffic light coloured ranges that gave an immediate visual interpretation. These related to actions. If the results were to be investigated, red, monitored, yellow, or no immediate action required, green. Colour-coded scorecards could then be created to allow management decisions to enhance the soil quality in any areas of a field that needed attention. It's encouraging that soil health is now being considered in relation to the maintenance and sustainability of soils. Regular assessments and the use of soil scorecards are a major step forward, as they can be used for benchmarking with other comparable soil types to understand what makes a good soil. More needs to be done on the longer-term monitoring of the soils to ensure that they remain profitable for years to come. Finally, we'll move on to the Digital Dairy Chain and the Farm Management Handbook. The Digital Dairy Chain offers any business or individual involved in the dairy supply chain across Cumbria and southwest Scotland a range of services to support innovation and productivity through collaboration. This is a five-year UK research and innovation funded project with a budget of £21 million to transform the dairy sector in the region and uplift the rural economy via grant funding and sustainable solutions. The project partners will focus on aligning industry needs 
which will include developing digital connectivity, stimulating research and new product development, supporting business growth and attracting talent and skills across the region. There are a number of individual programmes of activity in operation through the digital dairy chain. These include four tranches of funding and direct business support. The Collaborative R&D Funding Competition, the Milk Round Technology Accelerator, the Spacemaker MPD Facilities and Innovation Vouchers. While new dates for the R&D Funding Competition will be announced towards the end of the year, the Milk Round Technology Accelerator Programme and the newly launched Cumbria Makers Space, open to those based in the southwest Scotland as well as Cumbria, are accepting applications on an ongoing basis. The Cumbria Makerspace project allows producers to move from small-scale kitchen creations into commercially viable production, with fully funded training and business support provided. Innovation vouchers of up to £10,000 are available to encourage businesses to create innovative solutions to the challenges faced by the dairy industry. The deadline for the next wave of innovation voucher funding is the 16th of November 2023. For more information, contact info at digitaldairychain.co.uk. You can also find this email address in the show notes. The 44th edition of the SAC Consulting Farm Management Handbook, co-funded by the Scottish Government, is now available to download free on the Farm Advisory Service webpage please find the link in the show notes. To own your own hard copy of this comprehensive and up-to-date source of farm and rural business management information, please visit the SAC Consulting website. If you prefer to order your copy a different way, then details of the phone number to call or email address to write to can also be found in the show notes. The 2023-24 edition of the Farm Management Handbook includes over 80 individual farm enterprise gross margins, together with information on carbon management, current support payments, diversification, forestry and woodlands, renewable energy options, the environment, business management, taxation and opportunities for new and young farmers. Thanks very much for listening to this audio edition of the November 2023 Agribusiness News. Remember to like Agribusiness News to get notified of future episodes of this monthly podcast. This edition was edited by Anna Sellers and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Mark Bosher Gibbs, Sarah Balfour, Kirsten Williams, Brady Stevens, Lorna McPherson, Callum Johnston, and Paul Hargreaves. It was presented by myself, Kerry Hammond, and produced by Alistair Trail. This podcast has been part of the Scottish Farm Advisory Service and has been produced in association with the Scottish Government.